You're listening to Colne Radio on 106.6 FM and this is Red Button. soft there is nothing for me but to love you just the way you look Apart And that little laugh That wrinkles your nose Just touches my foolish heart Lovely Never, never change Keep that breathless charm Oh, won't you please arrange it Cause I love you Just the way you look tonight Just the way you look Have some conversation, please. Thank you. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. Hello and welcome to Red Button. This is Bill Lawrence and this is our later evening conversation show here live from Studio One at the mighty Colm Radio Towers here on 106.6 FM Colm Radio. And today I am with Neil Darcy-Jones, well known to people of Colchester as journalist, playwright, author, uh, teacher nowadays, and has been involved in lots of theatre, regional theatre, children's theatre, and he's a bit of a creative writer, director, artistic director of the Packing Shed Theatre Company based in East Anglia. So welcome, Neil. Thank you, Bill. Nice to be here. So, our first piece of music that we heard, chosen by you, Neil, was Fred Astaire and The Way You Look Tonight. Why have you chosen that for us? Oh, it's a shameless um, uh, uh, attempt to gain brownie points with my wife. It was the first dance. It was our first dance at our wedding, and uh, it's always a piece of music that that, uh, she and I have always liked. So, as simple as that. Neil, why are you uh, such a creative? How have you reached this point in your life? What's your background? Uh, that's that's a very good question, Bill. I suppose that um, oh, creative. Why am I creative? I don't know. But probably because I don't want to be bored. That I like to keep myself busy, um, and that I often stand in the shower and go, "Ooh, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Wouldn't that be fun if we did that?" My parents were very sort of uh, when I was growing up. Um, 
we had quite a fun household and we played games and we'd go to really cool places and I suppose part of my childhood was very much uh, very playful and um, I've always been playful and some would say especially my wife would say that I'm just basically a big kid and that's what I'm doing uh, but in terms of creativity I've always liked writing um, my very first uh, escapades in writing were when I was very young um, I was a huge fan of the James Bond movies and I thought that I could write a James Bond movie so I, uh, I wrote a James Bond story and I set it the opening scene was set on Lake Bled because in uh, in the the uh, former uh, U the Yugoslav Republic actually, so it's now Slovenia. But when we went, it was in the eighties. It was still Yugoslavia, and we'd literally just come back from holiday, and I we went to Lake Bled, and there was a monastery on an island in the middle, and I went ah. Oh. I could just imagine James Bond parachuting down onto that <laughs> island. And so I wrote a story. And I've still got it somewhere. It's, it's you know, it's, um, I've never really thrown any of my writing away. And I still don't. Um, which is good now because obviously I could just stick it on a computer. Back then there was like leaves and leaves of sort of pages. Mm. Um, but yeah, I've always liked stories. I've always liked storytelling. Um, I've always liked... Um, uh, creativity, uh, music, you know, theatre. I've always liked that ever since I was a, a young age, which was rather bizarre because then I followed in my father's footsteps and I went into the law. And so, um, I don't know, I suppose you get to an age where you think, right, well, I can't be a big kid all my life. I suppose I better do something a bit sensible and earn a bit of money. And I liked school and I was quite good. At, I did quite well in my exams and, and I went to university and I had a really lovely time at university and, and then, you know, went to law school and then and, and became a lawyer and, you know, and hated every <laughs> minute of it. And it was interesting, many, many years later, after I'd left the law, uh, I was, uh, it was we were at a family gathering and my uncle sort of came up to me and he goes, I never could get why you went into the law. And I said, well, you know, I thought, you know, thought it might be quite an interesting profession to be in he said no no you were never a lawyer you know and I said well why didn't you tell me he says well you have to discover these things for yourself Neil and I did and um and so yeah so I left the law I came back home wrote a book uh, the book got published uh the local newspaper did a story about me um and then they asked me to write a column for Wivenhoe I'm a Wivenhoe boy so you know being in Cong Towers is you know it's like being back at home Bill it's nice <laughs> back back uh, it's like Ollie Murs when he comes uh, to, uh, to Castle Park it'll be you know but old boy done good come back home and so um yeah and so um uh, I, I did really well wrote this column the Wivenhoe column for the Gazette um, and then did that for about a couple of years and then the editor at the time again bizarrely uh, met at a, a sort of like a drinks do and she saw me in the corner of this, this, this room and said oh I wanted to speak to you and I went oh okay well you can speak to me whatever you want because you know I send my column in every week she said no 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 I need to speak to you about a, a possible job you know we'd quite like to train you up as a proper journalist Bill a proper journo <laughs> so they sent me up to Darlington and I, I got properly trained and I started as a cub reporter on the Braintree Mutton Times uh, which was great actually I really enjoyed um, working for the as it's colloquially known locally the brainless and witless and so um, I enjoyed there and then that was 99 and then within 18 months a job, the, the arts editor's job came up uh, at the, uh, the Gazette and then uh, yeah and I got the job I got the job there and then more recently uh, in terms of when I joined the Gazette, I, lo I always loved music. Love, love music. Music was the best thing ever. I was really into my music. Um, uh, but increasingly, as I, uh, as I was working at the Gazette Theatre, I mean, I was very lucky. I was writing about the Mercury uh, Theatre and during D. Evans' time, you know, when they, they were running it as a rep. And so um, I really got into theatre. And then so then I started writing my own stuff. Uh, I'd always been writing, so I'd, you know, I'd always written. Even when I was sort of you know lawyering in London, I was writing sort of short stories and things. And um, but yeah, it was only when I was actually at the paper I started writing plays and and things like that. So um, yeah. We got your first choice of music, and one of the pleasures I always have on this show is getting to listen to other people's bits of music and understanding why 
they like these pieces of music. So the first musical choice we're going to listen to is from a local band, Superglue, and a song called Diving Bell. Why have you chosen that, Neil? Well, uh, mainly because uh, part of the one of the huge joys that I had working for the Gazette was covering the local music scene. And and also uh, making friends with these people and so Ben Brown who uh, was the creative genius behind Dingus Khan set up this lovely um, I don't know like a, a, a there's a line in there's a line in Reservoir Dogs where the DJ calls a Dylan-esque uh, you know uh, Dylan-esque uh, pop bubblegum type thing and, and, and kind of super glue kind of uh, it probably isn't Dylan-esque pop bubblegum band but they just have a real joy about them and Ben is brilliant he's really he's fun you know he's eccentric he's a brilliant songwriter and this lovely four piece of a band are a really lovely sort of like you know um, quirky indie rock band who deserve to be uber uber famous but because the large majority of bands around here won't be pro- probably won't make it to the big time but one of my joys is 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 you know is is being is being a sh- you know is providing a showcase for these bands and uh, super glue is one of my favorite and i love this song this song is so jolly it's lovely it's really good i hear the ringing of a listening to Red Button. So I'm Bill Lawrence, this is Red Button, and you're listening to uh, me coming live from Colm Radio Tower's fourth floor on 106.6 FM, Colm Radio. We are social distancing in the studio, so uh, complying fully, of course, with the new public health regulations. And you'll be pleased to know that I'm chatting just one-to-one with Neil Darcy-Jones. And thank you very much for coming in, Neil. We described you as a cultural polymath before, but lots of people in Colchester will know you for your long-term career here in Colchester on the local newspaper as a journalist. Arts journalist, but, you know, you've given that up. You said there's been a decline in journalism. What would that decline be, and, and why? Well, I mean, it's... well. That's a very big question. Um, I mean, the decline in journalism, uh, certainly in local newspapers, I mean, it's one of the reasons why I'm now training to be an English teacher. Um, 
is because of a number of things. One, uh, I think that newspapers haven't really got to grips with uh, the internet. They haven't really worked out how to monetize it and make money from it. Um, social media has been a huge, massive problem for us. Uh, about three or four years ago, um, I was, uh, I was, I, I've been covering Frint and Summer Theatre for many, many years, and they were giving us the exclusive as to what the new season would be. And then about three or four years ago, we suddenly found the new season being revealed on Facebook, and you know, I was, I was a bit knocked, and I know the Clacton chief reporter was equally knocked. But then I had a chat with him on the phone, and I just said. I think this is the future, mate. I think this is basically, you know, you know, this is where people are going to get their news from. You know, how, how is it changing journalism though? Is it, is it now about uh, your ability to to get clicks? You know, to sensationalise things. To yeah, get... I mean, it wasn't so much for me, but I know that certainly in terms of the newsroom, that was, you know, that was, you know, it was, it was, you know, digital was more important than print, and that you know it that was important. How many clicks we were getting, and and you can see, you could see in the last few years that I was there that the content on the website was very much uh, trying to encourage that, you know. And so for that to happen, you need to sort of sensationalize stories. And what I was doing wasn't sensation, you know, I was, I was effectively, you know, in the true sense of the word, you know, in a kind of nostalgic way, I was an old fashioned community reporter, except I was reporting about the arts community for the town. You know, I had been doing it since 2001. You know, I've been doing it for a very, very long time. And, um, and people were very, you know, we had a good relationship, you know, especially with the Mercury and First Sight and the Art Centre and the Minories, you know, and, and Signals and all, you know, and, and, and Lakeside Theatre at Essex University. You know, all these people that I'd known for many, many years, you know, and... It's you know when we were talking about superglue, you know I I knew you know when I knew Ben when he was starting out you know in uh, I think it was a band called Ethel Red and the Uber Peas, you know then he did Dingus Khan then he did superglue but he also had a, an art exhibition at the Minories and he'd phone me up and we'd go for cake you know and we'd have a chat and that was really really lovely but that was you know increasingly, you know I was a I was an anomaly at the newspaper because. You know, I, you know, I wasn't chained to my desk. I wasn't sort of like, you know, bashing out, you know, as many news stories as I could and, and, and tweeting about it and Facebooking it, you know, because I, you know, I, w I had my own little niche. So it was fine for me, but it was interesting because um, I knew the writing was on the wall for me, you know, probably three or four years prior to that as one of the reasons I set up the theatre company really because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to be an arts reporter you know for any length of time um, I was uh, there was a very good friend of mine Wivenhoe artist who'd uh, set up a group exhibition in Gdansk in Poland and he asked me to do the press for him and I said well that would be fine because my newspaper is part of a big newspaper group that covers the whole country and I said to him what we'll do is we'll choose some artists artists you know we'll pick we'll cherry pick some nice artists from your group exhibition and then I'll write a story uh, and then I'll send the story and some pictures to their local newspaper and you'll get loads of print and he'll go oh, that's amazing and we did very very well out of that but of course when I phoned these newspapers up I was saying can I speak to your arts editor and they were saying oh we don't have an arts editor I go oh well can I speak to your arts reporter oh we don't have an arts reporter we have a news reporter that covers the arts and I think I probably I could count on the you know on one hand how many arts editors arts reporters there were and that's when I thought yeah, this is probably it for me. So your next choice of music, Neil, yeah. is another local band, which I believe you've got a connection to. This is a band with a very memorable name, Sandcastle Jesus. Yes. And a song called Bombshells. Now, what reason have you got for choosing this? Well, if I hadn't recommended this song, uh, Bill, I think I would have been in mahoosive trouble. Um, if I'd said, oh, uh, yeah, oh, I was on a radio show and I got to pick all these songs... 
and I didn't pick this band, then yeah, I don't think I would have been able to come home because the drummer of Sandcastle Jesus is my son, and um, and I've been involved. Uh, with the band ever since they started at school uh, when they were in year eight maybe year eight year year nine and now he's in his second year at, at, at a levels and they've done really well they've done really really well um, they've got a, a guy managing them um, they've uh, recorded some stuff their stuff's available on spotify um, the bombshells when bombshells came out it did really really well and I remember and I'm going to get this spectacularly wrong uh, I think within a week or two weeks they had something like 20,000 streams or something which apparently is quite good obviously I'm not sort of up on these sort of things but um, but yeah they're a, great, they're a really great band and he really loves being in it and it's just my attempt to vicariously live through my son I'm hoping one day they'll play Glastonbury and I'll, I'll, I'll finally uh, get to sort of go backstage at Glastow and then I can die a happy man personality by Phil Bose. Original short stories written by our listeners here in our community. Plant Eaters by Tony Pears. Angels by Yvonne P. Nick with Rowan by Steve Gale. Merry Men by Ian Sayers. And there's a whole big bag of my onions blended with gorgeous music every Tuesday evening at 8 and Sunday evening at 10 here on 106.6 FM Colne Radio. Promenade Hotel by Adrian Gale. The Kraken Awakes by Paul Hooper. By Pamela Ennis. Bill's Big Bag of Onions. Innovative voices, original stories, and tasty music. Boy, 
where I made such a mark that they gave me the post of a junior clerk. I served the writs with a smile so bland, and I copied all the letters in a big round hand. I copied all the letters in a hand so free that now I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. Serving writs, I made such a name that an article clerk I soon became. I wore clean cars and a brand new suit for the pass examination at the institute. That pass examination did so well for me that now I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy. I acquired such a grip that they took me into the partnership And that junior partnership I ween was the only ship that I ever had seen But that kind of ship so suited me that I am the ruler of the Queen's Navy So rich that I was sent by a pocket borough into Parliament. I always voted at my party's call, and I never thought of thinking for myself at all. I thought so little, they rewarded me by making me the ruler of the Queen's Navy. All, whoever you may be, if you want to rise to the top of the tree, if your soul isn't fettered to an office stool, be careful to be guided by this golden rule. Stick close to your desks and never go to sea, and you all may be rulers of the Queen's Navy. So that was Sandcastle Jesus, and uh, after that you heard a very different piece of music, which was Gilbert and Sullivan, When I Was a Lad, from HMS Pinafore. So Neil, tell me, why did you choose that? Well, uh, it's one of the reasons I kind of got into theatre. So when I uh, when I left London and the, the legal world, and I came back to Wivenhoe, um, and I was writing at the time, uh, but I wanted to sort of kind of get back into the, the, the community and meet some people, mainly because my mum and dad were uh, annoyed about me sort of like kicking my heels out of home. I was like, get out, meet some people, come on. And so um, I fleetingly joined the Wivenhoe Gilbert and Sullivan Society. Um, and that was kind of my first forays into theatre. You know, I'd never really been involved in theatre before. I did a few sort of like shows when I was growing up. Um, I was in the Mercury Panto actually when I was very young but so it was my first real f- proper foray into theatre and I really liked it and the Wivenhoe Gilbert and Sullivan Society I've got a massive soft spot for um, big love to the Wivenhoe Gilbert and Sullivan Society massive and so um, and I and I love Gilbert and Sullivan uh, my kids it's interesting actually because um, for many years I used to play Gilbert and Sullivan all the time um, there's something quintessentially English about it, obviously, but there's also they're sort of kind of anarchic as well. There's something sort of Pythonesque about them, you know. Some of the lyrics um, doesn't take itself too seriously, which I think is we've kind of I think we've kind of lost that in this country at the moment. That we've we've lost the ability to poke fun at ourselves. I think we're all taking ourselves a little bit too seriously at the moment. But uh, but Gilbert Sullivan never did that. Um, and Sullivan's written some of the most beautiful pieces of music, like gorgeous, like operatic pieces of music. And so I used to play Gilbert Sullivan all the time. Kids hated it. Oh, turn this rubbish off. And then I took them to see uh, the Pirates of Penzance and they got it. It was a wondrous thing, Bill, a wondrous thing. You know, sat there in the Minories Garden and uh, watching uh, the Pirates of the Penzance and they laughed their socks off. They thought it was brilliant. And so recently, we've also I've also taken them to see the most recent uh, show. Uh, we went to see the Mikado at the English National Opera, the Colosseum, in London, which was um, 
which was absolutely absolutely stunning really really Jonathan Miller's version and it was oh it was brilliant and the kids loved it they absolutely loved it so yeah that's why that was a very long winded uh, answer to your question that's why I chose Gilbert and Sullivan yes indeed so you're a performer and a consumer of theatre yes absolutely as a performer or a creative artist is it different writing for the theatre than it is from having a proper job uh, well it's interesting uh, proper job so proper jobs is, is quite a contentious phrase at the moment Bill because obviously a lot of people in the in theatre uh, and the arts generally are feeling a little bit wounded with the whole viable and non-viable uh, label that have been thrown at us and I will say us because I I do think of myself as part of the arts community now. And even when I was writing for the arts community, I still felt a part of that. Um, and you, in fact, somebody made a joke to me today saying, oh, you're one of those people who've rebooted themselves and, you know, becoming, you know, training to be a teacher. And I sort of said, well, mm, yes and no. I don't, think I've re- I, I don't think I've rebooted myself. I think I'm taking this opportunity to add a another sort of like um string to my bow so to speak um and and maybe i have rebooted and reinvented myself but only temporarily because i i i'm sure i will love teaching and i will continue to teach but i i also want very much want to continue being a theater maker and a, and a writer of theater and in terms of being a playwright um i always used to say I I write first for pleasure and then if something comes uh, out of it afterwards then that's a bonus um, but you never know I mean the thing is is I I have made money from writing theatre um, and the and some of my projects some of the theatre projects that I've done with Packing Shed have done very very well um, I do uh, a, a very close friend of mine at local actor writer director Patrick Marlowe and I every year we put on a ghost stories show and the first year we did it we made some money the second year we made some more money um this year we had a we had this huge tour lined up we were going to uh, we went to lots of lovely places little theater in sheringham we were going to the seagull theater in lowestoft the key theater in sudbury ickworth house you know we were it was a really lovely tour that we had planned and of course covid has stopped that but i'm hoping that actually that we still might do that show uh, in Colchester uh, at Christmas I can't really say too much at the moment because it's all sort of hush hush but uh, there is a chance that we might be able to perform our ghost story show in the two weeks running up to Christmas at a secret location Bill somewhere in town <laughs> um, but yeah I mean I love live theatre I love watching live theatre I was very lucky because when I was the arts editor I got to uh uh, you know, I was re- you know I was really passionate about theatre, but I got to write about the Mercury Rep, you know, under D Evans, who put on some incredible pieces of work. I mean, there were very few theatres in the country who could put on a Howard Barker play and sell it out. I mean, you you tell people, you know, in the industry, they go, they put on a Howard Barker play in the main house, yes, and it sold out, yes, wow. Now that's building an audience, and that's what D did with the, you know, the Mercury um, company. Well, and this is a song called "There Is a Light That Never Goes Out." So why is this in your eight that we're listening to? Well, today? oh God, because I'm a hopeless romantic, Bill, um, and I, I've always loved, I've always loved the Smiths. Um, uh, I kind of discovered them later. So I mean, so I'm a child of the '80s, but I didn't really, I wasn't really into the Smiths during the '80s. I discovered them later in life very good friend of mine uh, a lawyer friend of mine called John Bowley uh, hopefully this 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 does his show go out on could he get this online yes oh amazing well then I'll message him and say look I name checked you in a radio show John but yeah he got me into the Smiths and immediately I love the lyrics I really you know it's that thing going back to English you know I mean Cemetery Gates is a per, you know it's very pretentious really pretentious but I really love the way he uses the English language I love Johnny Marr's jangly guitars. I'm, I've always, I've been an indie kid for many, many years. I love indie music. And so, you know, they are really the godfathers of indie music. Uh, the less said about Mr. Morrissey's political views and what he says in public, uh, I think is the better. I think us Smiths fans probably 
push that under the you know under the carpet and just try and forget about it and just think about the music because the music is it's just absolutely brilliant and what's really lovely is being a, a father of three is passing that on you know passing that lift back down and you know my youngest um we were in the car the other day and um uh, this track came on and i and i went oh that's you know this is good and he and i said is this on your playlist he goes yeah yeah this is on my playlist and i went my work here is done to Colm Radio and this is Red Button. I 
So welcome back to Red Button, later evening conversation here on Cohen Radio. Well, I'm Bill Lawrence and I'm with Neil Darcy-Jones and we've been listening to two of his choices there. First of all we listened to The Smiths and then the second piece of music you heard was by The Stone Roses and that's Sally Cinnamon. So why did you choose that one Neil? Uh, again, uh, a proper nost- uh, a trip down nostalgia lane for me. I was at uh, what I like to say to my kids is the world's greatest university, which also makes them uh, laugh heartily, uh, which was Lancaster. I was at Lancaster University. And I was just at the end of that sort of like Manchester scene, you know, uh, people like the Inspiral Carpets, you know, the Milltown Brothers, you know, Stone Roses, Happy Mondays. And so in my first year, we I did get to go to the infamous... Hacienda nightclub um, and it was just yeah I mean that sort of uh, period in my life was when I was when I everything was I was getting really really into my music and um, it, life was great and I just remember being in the in the sugar house wearing a a very flowery top and with uh, and with Sean Ryder type curtain hair and just sort of dancing, you know, to the Stone Roses, whenever the Stone Roses came on, you know. And again, what a band, an absolute, you know, brilliant, brilliant band, very much of their time. Um, and another band that I've passed, not so much, my kids aren't particularly into the Stone Roses as, as, as they are the Smiths, but, um, but yeah, they, they are one of my favorite bands. And that's a, that is a beautiful track. It's interesting, because I think Noel Gallagher um, said that that's one of his favourite songs ever and you know it describes it as a really you know a, a proper romantic tune I would say Nina Simone David Bowie and the Stone Roses are the most commonly chosen bands for this show oh that's interesting that's really interesting yeah yeah I mean the Stone Roses are there are one of those bands I think that a lot of people like and you know yeah a bit like 40 towers you know they were only around for a short period of time but what they churned out in that short period of time is monumental you know and will hopefully live on forever and ever and ever as far as you know as far as i'm concerned anyway so you know so i'm going to ask you about um culture the culture we have in this in our country on our society we, we sort of have different groups maybe different different areas of culture we have maybe what's defined as high culture which um, another definition could be what is considered by the minority taste or to be for the minority taste and we have a mass culture so we could give an example maybe of going to the opera yeah. as uh, as high culture rarely undertaken by uh, by most people Whereas perhaps the mass culture might be watching your favourite comedian on a DVD. Uh, Michael McIntyre springs to mind there. So uh, how do you feel about that? Is uh, Many would say that art should not be for profit and Michael McIntyre should not be making money out of his art. How do you feel about that? Well, it's, an it's a very interesting question at this point in time where there is very little culture about. Um, and I think that once you know the pandemic subsides and we kind of get back to some kind of normality, it will be interesting how the various um, arts organisations operate. Um, I don't think there's a problem, you know. Uh, I, I, I think if you know, I think if you are putting on a show and it makes a lot of money and it's a bit commercial, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, I think. I think lots of people in the industry beforehand would have maybe been a bit snooty about things that are put on in the West End that are uh, are obviously commercial, you know. Um, but I mean, if you look at the Mercury, I mean, certainly Tracy Charles, who's the executive um, uh, producer there, uh, I hope she, I wish she might be executive chief exec so I'm going to get this wrong and probably people will be writing in and Tracy will never speak to me again but anyway Tracy's amazing and one of the things that she taught me was that when you are running you know a regional theatre you've got to be both commercial and artistic you know it has to have some artistic quality but you also have to have a some sort of commercial nous about you you can't really rely on the public purse bailing you out especially as I would say, you know, even, I think it's even more important in, you know, in these sort of trying times and certainly, 
you know, in the next two years, that will become even more important. Uh, but at the same time, I think that what I would hate is that I would hate it for, for it to become completely commercial. One of the w- wonderful things about the Culture Art Centre is that they will put on and stage things that are very niche, that very few people will go and see, and that without things like the Arts Council, without people like Anthony Roberts, the director of the, the Art Centre, these you know forms would disappear you know performance you know performance art being an obvious example um and i would hate that for that to happen okay in a sentence neil yes why have you chosen hard to explain by the strokes uh well it was my very first gig that i covered for the um the colchester gazette and i couldn't believe my eyes i'd I'd read about them in the nme uh a week before and i thought yep do you know what? I think being a music reporter is actually not a bad little job if I get to see the strokes for free and I get to hang out with the band afterwards. And, you know, and uh, it was it was a, it was an amazing night. And um, yeah, the uh, to have that at the start of my career was was brilliant. Really enjoyed it. You are my going really well.
some conversation, please? Thank you. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. So I'm Bill Lawrence. You're still listening to Red Button, our late evening conversation show, here at Studio One at Colm Radio Towers. And I'm with Neil Darcy Jones. You've been with us all show. Thank you, Neil. It's been delightful to listen to you. But this is the point in the show where we ask you some quick fire questions about your chosen topic, which is art, creativity, and being a cultural polymath. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, first of all, what makes good art? Okay. <laughs> this is a quick fire question. This is a quick question. Uh, what fire. makes good art? Uh, something that's interesting. That's fair enough. Yeah. How do uh, how do you think we can harness creativity best? Uh, by providing sufficient funding for it and also going to support it. I think that's the most important thing is that uh, people need to go and support. If they want good art in this country, they need to go and support it. Great message. Uh, certainly for the uh, post-COVID days. Yes, absolutely. Okay, now for some uh, recommendations. A theatre that you would enjoy attending. A good theatre. Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the Mercury Theatre reopening. Uh, it looks... I walk past there... I try and walk past there as often as I can and the work that they've had done it looks stunning it looks amazing and um, I doff my cap to Steve Mannix who's done an amazing job to get it done and, and Tracy Charles and Dillick uh, you know and Ryan McBride and all the staff at the Mercury fantastic okay let's move on to specific uh, things you've enjoyed yeah what about uh, comedy a comedian who you've enjoyed a comedian well I really like uh, I really like I've always liked Taskmaster and now it's on Channel 4 I really really like it and um and greg davis is brilliant he's one of my favorite and he used to be a teacher so um some of the things i really like doing is sometimes watching him uh, they have clips of him on graham norton and him telling his stories about how he was a a young teacher little nuggets of comedy gold they're really really great yeah how about switching somewhat in genres a musical well, I'm not really a massive musical fan. Um, actors have this thing about the, the people who perform in musical theatre, they call them twirlies, which is a little bit derogatory, but I, I can kind of understand it. But um, musical, oh, lummy. Uh, it would have to be a real sort of classic, uh, old sort of... I like West Side Story. West Side Story is a great musical. Uh, but it would probably be something really cheesy like The Sound of Music. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, pretty, pretty cheesy. Yeah, that's pretty cheesy, Okay. Oh, your music we're going to end with yes. is fantastic. No one's ever picked this before. Of course they haven't. Uh, they should. Bernard Herman, Herman? Bernard Herman, yeah. Bernard Herman. And it's the overture or main theme from North by Northwest. Yes, my favourite film. I so, lo so love it. Have you chosen this because it's your favourite film? Well, I've chosen it because I like film music. I really love film music. Um, a, a, a call out to a very good friend of mine, Jason Frederick, who uh, does the film nights at the Culture Arts Centre. It's a very good friend of mine. And we love talking about film music. And I th and my son has recently started sort of composing sort of film music as well. He's really into that sort of thing. And uh, and the during lockdown, BBC Four have been having these um, sort of classic movie nights, and they showed Casablanca. And then the the other night they showed North by Northwest. And we all sat down as a family and watched it. And they all, know, all my family, know that I love this this film for lots of different reasons. Um, Cary Grant is amazing. Eve Marie Saint is just beautiful. Um, and oh, James Mason, some of the lines he comes up with is just great. But that you know the scene, the corn, you know the cornfield scene. And the music, the music is just stunning. It really is. And it would be interesting actually to watch that film without Bernard Herrmann's score and see what a difference it makes. And I think people would be surprised. I think it would be a very different film if you didn't have that score underlying it. And it's just great. It just makes me feel excited. And, you know, I mean, it's obviously meant to be sort of, you know, give, you know have a high tension. You know, it's supposed to give the audience, you know, this sort of, you know, edge of the seats. But, you know, it's great music to write to, really great music to write to. So, um, yeah, that's kind of why I picked it. It's just brilliant. It's a brilliant piece of music. Neil Darcy-Jones, uh, it's been a privilege and a pleasure. Bless you. Thank you so much. 
And uh, this is North by Northwest Overture, the main theme by Bernard Herrmann. Thank you very much. is a Guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. <laughs>